Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of In Between the Stitches. As always, I'm your host, Brady Wilson, and we have our, my co-host, Chase Olschwanger. What's going on? No Zach Babb with us today, but, you know, we don't need him. The stars have been doing really well. Cooking. Ott- Ottinger is back with a vengeance. He really is, and stars are just playing well. I mean, beat the uh, beat the Hurricanes 4-2 to yesterday. Still first in the division, second in the West. I mean, we're one of the premier teams in the league, and you know, we talked about the trade deadline last time Zach was in here, and, you know, I, I really feel like with the Stars, I think a defenseman, you'd like one. You don't need to get one, but I think in watching what your fellow AAC counterpart has done when able to parlay at the deadline and what the Rangers were able to do at the deadline, I think that, um, you know, Jim Nill probably like to get something. You know, I, I and I think the only thing you really need is a defenseman, and if you want a third goalie, maybe— I mean, it's but it's not really could, common to roster three, right. but I mean, as long as if you make the right move, you know, yeah. not giving up too much, which is fine because we're not pressured to make a move. No. So if you can get something for the right price, sure, why not? But yeah, no need. But uh, the stars have been have been rolling. Yeah, they had they have been rolling. We got Nashville at seven p.m. tomorrow. You know, and this has been. A bit of a tougher stretch for the Stars in the sense of, like, you know, road games. Uh, you know, after you play Nashville, that'll been four, four of your last five have been road games. You beat Buffalo, lost Toronto, beat Montreal, and beat Carolina. So, I mean, you have started out February with pretty good record. Yeah. You know, only losing one game. Losing to a good team, too. And then Nashville, Edmonton at home, and then four straight road games. Boston, the Rangers, Ottawa, and then Carolina again. Yeah. So, and then you finish out... Islanders at home, Colorado and Colorado, and then Winnipeg at home. So, and then we, we we talked about this coming into February, that this was a bit of a tougher stretch for the Stars because of that fact, because of the fact that you only have four home games the entire month, and then I believe if you go to March, we are scheduled to be there's a little bit more green on that on the on the mm-hmm. on that month. So that, and that's good, but they've been playing they've been playing on the road, yeah. and you talk about this, and I think it's something that transcends all sports. And that's winning on the road. And as the Rangers <laughs> found out, as we spelled the word road, which I think is the greatest stat or the greatest little fact in the history of baseball, um, winning on the road is very important. Yeah. And yet, yeah, you have, you have to be able to do it. Yeah. So, so Stars need to continue with the success and yeah. find a way to get through this month on a Finish good, consistent winning base and yeah. get home. And and I think the biggest thing for Stars is everyone's scoring. Yeah. Everyone, I mean, Rope scoring. You've got Pavelski. <clears throat> Sorry, you've got March. I mean, everybody is scoring right now. It's just really fun to watch. Sagan and Ben have really returned to form. It's mm-hmm. just really nice to watch. And I think for a time there, we, they didn't have anybody else that they could rely on, so they kind of just, I don't say got burned out, but they just kind of got burned out a little bit. Now that you have other guys that can take the lead as the stars of the team. Yeah, it was, you know, it was reliant on Robertson or Hintz or Duchesne, you know, yeah. go, especially going in the start, you know, middle of the year. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very versatile team, I guess you could say. It is. And then you got the Mavericks, and uh, it's just not the doom and gloom that we've had previous to the season because they're on a five-game win streak, 31-23, and 23, seventh in the West. But I think the big news for the Mavs is that five-game winning streak, plus they did make some moves, Chase. Yeah, and we all knew it would happen. P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford. Mm-hmm. So what do, you just, well, what do you think? I mean, what do you think? what did you think about the moves when they happened? And obviously now it looks really good. I mean, as I said, you know, as we were talking about it for the last however long, we knew a move was going to happen. 
but what and at what cost? And I think Nico killed it. Cooked. I mean, he cooked. I mean, he we got rid of people or players that you know we needed to get rid of or that weren't playing. Um, you know, yes, first round picks were involved. We knew that they were going to be involved, but that's what it takes to get you know players to be a contender. Right. And they, you know, we two games two and zero with them, uh, and they've been awesome. You know, really, you know, showing that defensive effort and you know the rebound, the offensive, the offensive glass, the defensive glass, just the rebounding in general is you know a whole other level. While they're still scoring as well, so you know when Luca Luca gets them involved immediately, and you can see a huge spark in the team, and looks like everybody's happy to be there. Uh, and you know five and zero, oh, five game wins all on the road except for uh, the last two. There was three game wins on the road, and then come back home versus the number one seed in the West and win in a dominant fashion. You know thirty points, thirty two points, whatever it was, and it's just looking really good. And I have a stat here. Uh, since Kyrie Irving had returned from his injury, the Mavericks have the best record in the NBA, the longest win streak in the NBA, the number one in net rating, number three in defensive rating, number four in points per game, and number three in rebounds per game. So what that says is, you know, you know, when you have your star player, one of your star players healthy, this team can, you know, do some damage. And yeah. it's really showing. And when everyone's healthy, this team is dangerous. I think what Gafford has shown is that you can now miss Lively. Lively, yeah. Lively has been playing, and he's been in street clothes, and you've been able to win games. I think that was what we, we've talked about on this show is the fact that the Mavs weren't winning games with Lively out, you know, and that was a huge problem is needing that second center. I mean, I love Kleba, and I love is, – is it Kleba or Kleber? Kleber. Kleber. I, lo- yeah. I, I love Maxi. Well, he's been awesome. And, and I, I, yeah. I, Powell is a guy. He tries his hardest, but we didn't have another center – I could do what Lively does, and now you got Gafford, and he's been playing just like I think he's been playing as well. You know, yeah. I mean, everyone healthy. Powell's like the you know the fourth center in the rotation, which is me. That's awesome. You know, Powell's a guy that everyone needs. He's that glue. You know, he's that guy that keep you know keeps everyone together. He's the veteran guy. He's the glue guy. Yeah, he's the veteran guy. He's the guy that's going to give you know give it all he's got every time he's on the floor. Yeah, and that's what every team needs. And he wants to be here. He likes being here. You know, his career has been. I mean, obviously he was drafted with Boston, but. He's been here for almost 10 years, which is crazy to think about. Um, but he's just a guy that everyone needs. And, you know, I'm glad that he's going to be mentor, you know, Washington, you know, Gaffer, because they're still young guys yeah. mentoring lively. So he's just the guy that we need. With with Washington, you know, I think he's been more of a defensive presence than anything. And yeah. I think that that's, I mean, again, we talked about this. You don't really need scoring. You can get scoring, I mean, up and down this roster. You, you really, really need defense. And Grant Williams was supposed to provide that, and he just hasn't. And so you you shipped him off, and you got PJ. And the dude is just, I mean, and there were, I was listening to, you know, some people talk about him, and uh, one of the guys was, uh, you know, well, I talked to some Hornets fans, and they're like, well, maybe he's not the best defensively, and I think he's really just, you know, he's looked really good, you know, from where I've been watching. Uh, and he's scoring. But again, so is Gafford. But you don't need... 20, 30 points from him. You get 15 points from him a night. I'll take that. Plus what they're providing on the defensive and other yeah. other sides of the, you know, the, uh, yeah, I mean, Luke of, is going to give you, Luke is going to give you 35 plus Kyrie's going to give you 25, 30. I mean, you, you don't need, like you said, you don't need those top tier scorers. And Washington's yeah. very capable of putting up 30 on any given night. He's done it multiple times in his career. He's a great scorer. It just looks to me right now and he's playing good, but it looks to me right now, just watching the games. He doesn't look hundred percent comfortable yet. He, you know, He's come from a losing franchise with 
him as the you know the number one, you know, number two option on the team, right? Now you're like the number. Now he's the number three, four, or five guy, you know, when it comes to scoring. And you know, it's it's a that's a big that's a big change in your career, and you know I it think is. it'll just take some time for him to get comfortable, you know. And I think he's really happy here. I know he grew up here, um, but he's really happy, and I think he got a extra boost in confidence when it comes to the defensive end because the Mavericks and Jason Kidd have a lot of you know confidence in him to you know guard their number one guy. Like he's been out there, he guarded Shea Gillis Alexander the other day in his debut versus the Thunder. He's been guarding these number one options, and when it you know for a guy like PJ, if your coach is saying, yeah, I have the faith in you to guard their best guy. That's a big confidence booster yeah. for someone who maybe hasn't been the best defender ever, but he's a good defender, right? So that's a big confidence booster. Winning cures everything. It's a phrase that you'll always hear me say, winning, it cures everything. Yeah. And whatever problems you're having, if you're winning, everything just kind of goes away a little bit. Yeah. And the Mavs have just been playing very well. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. This looks like a team that can make a run. Yeah, it definitely does. It's a very sneaky team. As long as and this is a knock on the desk here, no injuries. Yeah. Um, and then I think what's something else with the Mavericks we should talk about is um, this kind of become a story. Is everyone in the national media how they're talking about us? I don't know if you've seen any of this. But, of course. You know, ESP Mavericks five game winning streak looks like one of the best teams in the NBA. The the graphic. Why does nobody want to play with Luka Doncic? <laughs> yeah. And my problem with that would be this. This is not a Luka problem, okay? Because Frazier's haven't wanted to come here ever. This is not like a new phenomenon with Luka being, you know, the the guy in Dallas. This is something that was happening with Dirk. Yeah. Something that was happening before. I mean, this is not a new thing. The Dallas Mavericks can't lure free agents. That's, That's not new. Like... I don't know where that headline's coming from because if it was to say, why can the Mavs not learn a free agent, not named Kyrie, who was already on their team for a part of the year, well, then, okay, we can talk about that. But to say, well, it's all Luca's fault, I don't understand no. why. And I, and I, I want to say this narrative was coming at him from, and I think this is just an American thing, looking at a European player. And then, there, you know, Luca was a very polarizing prospect coming into the draft because. You had every, you had half the people saying, "Oh, this guy sucks. He's he's a he's in he's in you know Europe. He, he doesn't matter." That this is, you know to me it's like you know, you know a guy coming from Japan for baseball. Well, that's not the real deal, right? Well, then there are other people saying, "Well, Luke has been playing against adults since he was a teenager. Yeah. This guy's he can play." And I think that the people who were on the anti-Luca side have refused to jump over or have refused to give him his due credit because. The Mavericks haven't really done much in the playoffs. One Western Conference final appearance where you got smacked by the Warriors, rightfully so. They were the better team that year. But I think that, you know, because he hasn't had the success that, you know, I guess that Dirk's had, and he does cry a little bit. He does whine. He does have his moments where he's a little, I don't want to say immature, but a little immature. But to say it's all on Luka, I think, is ludicrous. And I assume you'd, you know. Yeah, I mean, 100%. When players are out there saying that, it's fun and easy to play with Luca. Players out there saying that. And, you know, Kyrie, for example, our biggest free agent signing in God knows how long. I guess since Porzingis, maybe? I mean... He was a trade, though. I know, but, I, I mean, I can't even think about another free yeah. agent signing. I can't either. Yeah. When Kyrie's out here saying that he's happy here and he's happy with Luca, you feel like these analysts don't even, like, watch... The games or focus or pay attention to anything going on and 
not not necessarily just the NBA, but just like the, with the Mavericks, they just see what some people are talking about and they go with that. Well, and there's only so many places for stars. That's the thing about basketball is starter traded a lot, and Dallas. It it baffles me why players don't want to come to Dallas because to me we're the third largest sports market in the world, at least in terms of in terms of America. We're the third largest sports market behind LA and New York. And I'd say that, you know, New York probably has more passion. L.A. is passionate when they're winners. When they're losers, nobody cares. In New York, they're passionate whether or not you win or lose. I think the same thing in Dallas, right? So I, 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 I don't know. Not and to I, mention Dallas is a great city to live in. It is. And I think that, you know, they're, you look at New York and you have Brooklyn you got the Knicks, you get look at LA, you got the Clippers, you got the Lakers. You have multiple teams. I guess it's, they have multiple options to choose from. I don't know. But not wanting to come to Dallas, I don't understand it. But I guess it's and it, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to be able to say it was this or that and whatever, but we have a good team now. Listen, if we end up going all the way and winning it all, they can talk their talk. They can talk whatever they however they want to talk. I mean, the narrative will switch if we do, you know, yeah. have a successful playoff run. You know, bearing we get in, which we should. Hopefully, you know, you got. If there's, I, I, yeah. I think, right now the floor would be losing in the actual first round, not yeah. in the. You know, if, if we somehow just have to sleep, uh, sneak in in the play-in tournament, win the play-in tournament, then lose in the first round. That's yeah. possible. The standings are so close right now. I don't know if you've paid attention to it. I mean, when I, I mean, right before we started, I, you know, I said we were eighth in the West, and you're like, no, they're seventh. And I was like, when, when did we, when did we switch? But if you look at take, if you take a look at the standings from. I think what five to nine. I think it is. Yeah, we're at thirty-one. Phoenix is at thirty-two. I mean, Minnesota's only at thirty-eight, so they're only seven games. I mean, Phoenix is what? How many games up? They're one game above us, and so they're the five seed. Pelicans are one game above us, and so they're the six seed. And then we you know we're half a game up on the Kings, and we are two and a half games up on the Lakers. Even the Warriors are in there. Mm. You know, three and a half behind. Memphis is just poor. Memphis. It sucks. They lost some players, not healthy. Utah's yeah. fallen as well. Yeah. So, um, but no, the Mavs. I think that the the ceiling for the Mavs, I would say, is the five seed. I don't see any of those top four teams going on like really bad losing streaks. I don't. I don't see that happening. But with how close they are with the Suns, who are the five seed, I think that's their. I think that's their top, and I think. That would be awesome. I mean, I, I want to be five or six, obviously, because you don't have to. You don't want to have to worry about that playing tournament, right? But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. And I'm just, you know, we're sitting back. Got the Spurs tonight. It's the final game before the All Star break. So it, you right. know, you'd like to, you know, a team that you should beat. Uh, and going off, you know, to all off the All Star break on a six game win streak, and then you get all that time off. You know, this is a big game for the Mavs tonight. And they got to take care of business for a team they should take care of business. Yeah. And I mean, same thing with the Wizards. And Wizards gave us trouble three and a half quarters of the game. So, got to come out strong, finish strong, go on the All Star break. You no, know, right? Happy. I, I think that yeah, finishing, finishing the finishing into the All Star break is very important. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I'm just reading. It was a Cowboys thing. Um. Interesting. Uh. But the Mavs play the Spurs tonight at seven thirty, like you just said. So hey, see what we can do. C- close it out with a six game winning streak. And enjoy and that week off. Get some rest, yeah. you know, enjoy the All-Star game, and then go go back. Ooh. Sorry about that. And, uh, <laughs> well, you're good. So if there's anything else in basketball, I can't think of anything that's just screaming top of my head right now. 
I mean, what were the top, were there any like top trades? I mean, I mean they were all the, everyone was saying, you know, Mavs had the best trade deadline. That was funny. No, I, I see, I saw the opposite. I saw a lot of the, okay, a lot of the big name analysts were giving the Mavs D's and F's and. There was one, there was one, but okay, everybody, was one. everybody was saying Knicks and the Mavs at the top two trade, trade deadlines. Yeah, I, I liked what we did. Yeah. And I, I think what we gave up was very what fine with me. Yeah. Pit. Couple picks and two guys that really didn't matter here anymore. No offense, Seth Curry. I love. Feel bad for Seth. He keeps coming back. We yeah. keep trading him. I'm glad that he went to Charlotte though. Home, yeah. Home. His it's dad good. is like you know broadcasting the games. Good for him. It's, I, I, it's somewhere he. I think he wanted to be. It's a place where there's no pressure for him. Yeah. He's won a ring at this point, has he? I don't think so. Well, you I don't know. know. If he hasn't, ring chase. Try to get a ring and then just play your career out in Charlotte and just enjoy being home. Yeah. But nothing else in basketball. We made a change the graphic today. <laughs> it is no longer the World Series champions. I hate to reform. Uh, I regret to inform everybody. The Rangers are no longer the World Series champions. We are the reigning, defending World Series champions because pitchers and catchers for every team, obviously the Dodgers, the Padres had already kind of done some stuff, but baseball is back today. Mm-hmm. There's already been the greatest sounds known to men. I do love the sound of pads crashing. It is a great sound, I do have to say. But the best sounds... In the entire world, nothing comes close to it. Not a baby crying, not anything. <laughs> no, nothing comes close to the crack of a bat and the pop of gloves during spring training. There's just something, something about it. You know, it just it's it's a, it's very calming. That that is my zen. That's what I listen to when I meditate. I just listen to <laughs> spring training sounds. And we've had some MLB stuff. Um, let me rephrase that. We've had one MLB stuff. Jorge Soler to the Giants, three years. You know, good for him. Another guy we wanted. But baseball has a problem right now. And this is something I did not think about. So I'm going to ask you. The reason I didn't bring this up beforehand because I wanted to ask you this question uh, live. Hit, hit me. So you've got the big four left. Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Jordan Montgomery, and Blake Snell. What is the one thing all four of those players have in common? And this is in relation to them not having signed anywhere yet. I'm curious. What is... What is the one thing that ties? They have in common. They have they have something in common. They all share something. Well, let's see. They're all lefties except for Chapman, so that's not what it is. No, it has nothing to do with them <laughs> physically. It's it has to do with why they potentially haven't signed, and it's something that why well, you think it's something that I haven't think, something that I didn't think about when thinking why haven't these four guys signed? You know, I mean, these are reigning Cy Young, former I mean Bellinger, you know, yeah. and what he's done. Montgomery, the secondary ace to a team that just won the World Series. You've got, I mean... And, I don't know, just holding that, I mean... And then Chapman's a gold lover. I mean, you've got four award winners here that are not, pretty much, that are not doing anything. You want to know? I don't know. What do you think? They all four are represented by Scott Boris. <laughs> <laughs> now that you know, you kind of get where I'm going with this. They are all four represented by what Mike Bat, oh, sorry, what Mike, the great Mike Reiner, likes to call the baseball antichrist. Because, and I have to agree with that. I did not think about the agent when I'm like, I, I remember this is last night. I'm sitting there going, man, why have these guys? This is what I think about in my free time. What, what, why have these guys have? They, they, you know, these guys are award winners. They're valuable pieces. There's no way that a team has not contacted them. And made them substantial offers. There's no way. I don't care about TV deal, which apparently has affected the Rangers. So screw you to Evan Grant and all the other. I mean, I do like these writers. Don't get that. Too. I love Evan Grant and the other writers, but to hell with them for this because they're, well, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, apparently it has. 
Because Josh, Josh Hader came the, out and the said the players that. have come yeah. out and said, I know that you know you know a lot, but yeah, apparently it has affected things, and I understand why. It made logical sense. We don't know where our money's going to come from, and even then, I still don't even understand this whole situation. It's, it's just it, a mess. It's, it's still affecting us because we don't have a long term deal. Yeah. So the Rangers are still being affected right now. Like they're they're so saying they're now. I think Chris Young's bluffing. I think he is trying to get Montgomery back. I think he's trying to say that because he's pissed that Boris is doing his crap. I guarantee you I know what Boris is doing because I've been around baseball enough to know what Boris likes to do. Montgomery and Snell are both lefties. I guarantee flipping to you this. He's trying to get Montgomery signed or Snell signed and then demand more for the other guy. I guarantee you he's done this countless times with other players. Well, hey, you know, I own, I, he has, well, he, it feels like he owns these guys. I represent these two players, and uh, you're going to give Blake Snell X amount of years and X amount of dollars. Okay, finally a team breaks. Then he goes back to the other team. You know that deal we had in place for Montgomery? Yeah, well, Snell just got this much. So that means Montgomery's worth this much. I mean, it's, it's classic. But as, a, but as a team, you got to be like, well, Blake Snell, I think, is here I on know. a higher level than Jordan Montgomery. But here's the thing. This is Scott Boris. This is, I mean, it, it, does not matter. The man will. It. it the only thing that'll stop it was uh, the story of Pudge Rodriguez walking into Tom Greaves' office and saying, "We're hammering this contract out now. I'm tired of this." Yeah. It'll take that. And I mean, pitchers and catchers have reported today. They're not signed. They're not reporting anywhere. I mean, you've got. I mean, this is. This is bad for baseball, and I don't blame the players. I mean, Scott Boris is like one of the probably the best agent in sports. I mean, he. I mean, he's one of the best at his job ever. So I don't blame them for don't blame them, which I blame him. He's got the team in a vice grip, and he he's got baseball. It feels like, and that's that's a problem. I I don't like it, and I'm blaming him now because it makes so much sense. I can't believe I didn't think about it beforehand. Um, and there's a couple other like like uh, he and Jin Ryu, Boris clients. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of free agents that are all Boris clients. They're not signing, and I think part of it is teams are tired of his crap. Teams, that'd be my theory, would be teams are tired of paying the premium prices that Boris sets for his clients. So they're just going to say, fine, we're not going to sign him. And it's kind of like an unspoken, because if it was a spoken agreement, well, then it'd be collusion and it'd be illegal and it's something the owners have already done. That's a fun story in the 80s when the owners colluded to end free agency. Um, but I think it's almost kind of like, it's, been, it's being like unspoken right now, like no team's touching these guys because Boris is wanting the moon. Um, according to my source here is my, yeah. is my father, so I take that with a grain of salt. Sorry, Dad. But that uh, the Yankees offered Snell like five one fifty or five one seventy five or somewhere in that neighborhood, and he countered with like nine two seventy or some crazy number. I think it was like nine two seventy. What was what Snell countered with? Which if he's thinking he's going to get nine two seventy, he's high. Yeah. You are not going to get. He's thirty one. He just led the walks. I don't care about the Cy Young. Cy Young's great. You had five five walks per nine innings. That's awful. That's terrible. And you're a five inning pitcher. Five inning. I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 you're you're not a guy that's going to go seven innings like a Nathan Evaldi. I just I don't blame him. I would like Montgomery back, but if Chris Young is not signing him, I I know this. And I think Rangers fans need to realize this. If Chris Young is not signing him, there's a reason. He's not going to do something because I don't think Ray Davis would tell him no right now. You just, you, you just won the World Series. 
if you tell him no right now, I think you're a terrible owner. You don't say no right now. But also, people are not realizing, Garcia, Lowe, and Heim are all going to be coming up for contracts the next couple years. So signing Montgomery for five, six years, you're going to have to probably front load it and so it doesn't bleed into those guys and into their extensions. Dunning's going to be due for an extension at the same time because they all came up in 21. Right, Tavares is somewhere in there because his service time is weird because they called him up and sent him down so many freaking times. But it's not about just signing free agents. You have to retain the guys you have. And so that's, and we've already seen them haggle with Garcia. So, I mean, that's, you know. But so I got I, him. Got him. And he's not pissed, I don't think. But it's just a, it's a problem. I think it's a, <laughs> what? Don't piss Garcia yeah. off. <laughs> um, he, he might take a bat to Chris Young and Ray Davis's head. <laughs> oh, that'd be. That would not be fun. Um, but no, baseball, hey, spring training is here, and that's always fun, but you have four of the biggest free it's like agents. Like we keep saying, like we like said last week, I can't wait to, you know, this week will be the week where we know where they're going. Right. Like, and it's, it's when, just, do, when, when do we really think this is they're going to sign? I mean, next I week? Know. Next week? I, I don't know. Well, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 the problem is, is that I'm not an insider, so yeah. I can't be calling people and be, hey, what's going on? But if I had to give an educated theory, so I'm going to call it, it's Scott Boris is not budging on his contracts and teams are tired of his bull crap and they're they're worried about streaming stuff because Bally is going under. Bally is a Bally is the Titanic in its last couple hours. Mm-hmm. It's starting to list. It's the water is coming over E deck. <laughs> the band is barely still playing at this point. Bally is about to be at the bottom of the freaking Atlantic. Yep. And everyone knows it. So I think the problem is that teams are hesitant for that, and teams are hesitant because there's a new C- – and I, I'm worried because there's a new CBA coming up. There's always a new CBA coming up. And I'm worried the baseball is going to be in actual jeopardy. The only thing that could kill baseball is baseball. It's, I mean, legit. I mean, it's the only thing that's ever tried to kill it beforehand. And I think that that's what's frustrating as a fan is I feel like these problems are resolvable, but – the, the Boris is asking more and more money each year. I mean, if he's expecting to get Garrett Cole money for both Snell and Montgomery, he's high. Yeah. He is he is smoking something, and to me, that's a problem. Yeah. But you know, I can't I, I can't pinpoint it exactly what the problem is. But we'll have to. I guess know. it's just we just wait now. Yeah, just we wait. Ju- just we, wait. Ju- we just wait. I want Montgomery back. I love Cody Bradford. Don't get me wrong. But Bradford as your fifth starter is not bad. He did fine last year. But I actually prefer him in the bullpen. I think he's better because he throws 90. Yeah. That when you have Evaldi throwing all these fastballs and you bring in someone that's very old school, kind of, I don't want to say a junk baller, but an old school soft toss and lefty, hey, that, you know, teams, it's, and I want to stress this, you know, to people that are baseball players, if you're young or, you know, it's not about velocity all the time. Yeah, throwing 99 looks cool. But there's a quote by uh, GM Mike, I think it was uh, Washington's, uh, uh, the Nationals, GM Mike Rizzo. On their spring training thing, it's, um, I don't care how hard ball four is. I'm like, that's a great statement. Mm-hmm. You throw 99, but you can't control it. It's great. Look at Bradford. He throws 90, maybe 92 on a good day. And he's locating, and he's getting guys out. Because guy, you talked to a lot of hitters. It's not about velocity. It's movement and deception. It's always been that. But because, and I hate to say, Aroldis Chapman 
created so much buzz, and I don't want to say it's all on him, but the buzz in the 2010s of, oh, my God, you know, you have guys throwing 100 miles an hour. Every team's got one now. That's wonderful, but if you can't locate a 100, it doesn't matter. You have to be able to do it with some consistency. At least Nolan Ryan could locate with consistency. Yeah. If you can't locate, it doesn't matter how hard you throw. You'll, you'll get multiple chances. Teams will, oh, oops. Teams will always give chances to guys who throw 100. But look at, Brad, look at that Brad, Chapman contract. Bradford is such a great example of learn how to be a pitcher before you're worried about your velocity. Learn how to control. Learn how to get stuff. Learn how to make it move. Learn how to throw it and learn when to throw it. You learn all those things. Then you learn how hard to throw it. Anyway, my two cents. Uh, Dallas Cowboys have hired the defense coordinator. Mike Zimmer, he's officially here. Press conference is going on. I don't know if it's, it's probably over at this point, but it started about an hour ago. Uh, 3 o'clock here, Central Standard Time. I think it's what we both wanted. Yeah. What? I think it's what we both wanted. Yeah. I, I, you were in here last week saying you think Rivera is going to get the position. I was wor- I was worried because it felt like a cowboy thing. To right. Do, exactly. To hire Ron Rivera. And I'm, I'm glad that we took at least some initiative to make a change. I mean, not you know, from yeah. a player perspective, just from a coach perspective. So Yeah, I, I was in on Zimmer or Ryan. Those yeah. were Because I, I thought that Ryan was good. They were both really I great. I thought Ryan would have been coach. bad. I don't know if I really wanted him. Some coaches need time away. Uh, Seth had a great explanation for me. It was, you know, uh, you know, uh, if you don't know who Seth is, my roommate um, and friend, he uh, he had a great saying about Ryan. It's like some coaches need time away, and he's had a lot of time away to think about it and everything. And you know, he seems to, he seems to want to coach, but I think if I'm Ryan, I'm getting paid pretty good by ESPN. Why would I want to go? Yeah, if right. it's not the right situation, Zimmer's familiar with Dallas. He's familiar with the Joneses. He knows how to work with the Jones boys and. And all that. And him and McCarthy are familiar with each other, and that's that's good. And Zimmer will definitely cut down on those stupid, crappy offsides penalties that were pissing me off every week. Mm-hmm. But I think that Zimmer will bring an edge. I think he'll bring some toughness. And I, I love Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn came in after Mike Nolan when me, I think everyone thought there's no way the Cowboys will ever have a good defense again. Yeah. And he came in and provided some stability. Was it perfect? No. But he he, he, he did good, so I think he deserves his flowers for that. But Zimmer's going to come in, and he has a year. Hey, I hate his position because he has a year. You have one year to install your system and make it work, or else you're all fired. And I think that's rough, but it, you never know. We'll see. I think, and he runs the 4-3. I think he may also throw some 3-4 stuff in there because he's had experience with that, obviously, when he was with Dallas and Parcells. But I like it. And Al Harris is staying. He's already announced. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, Marvin Lewis, his name was brought up a couple times in the press conference. Not the best head coach in the entire world, but he was a really, people forget, he was the defensive coordinator. He was on that 2000 Ravens staff. I want to say he was the defensive coordinator. You know, the, the, the big old bullies of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Probably, arguably the greatest defense of all time, and he had a huge, he was a huge part of that. I know that was 24 years ago, but I think that, and I have had a conversation with people about this, you know, how every, everything's evolved, and my theory is offenses, you know, switch to passing game. You know, in the 90s and all, Buddy Ryan, kind of after Buddy Ryan, everyone started doing, the, the, everyone started, defense coordinator started disguising everything. Disguise became everything. And then in the 90s, 2000s, quarterbacks got smarter. Quarterbacks learned how to beat disguise. And then in the modern age, Offenses started going a lot from the shotgun. Now that we ever a lot of teams go a lot from the shotgun, a lot not not much under center anymore. Mm-hmm. You see a lot more shotgun stuff. 
And I think that that was done to help with the disguise so that you see it move in real time. And then Defend has realized, well, can't do this anymore. So now we're going to have to do other things. And then now I feel like the sim pressure, the, the disguise stuff's coming back because quarterbacks have gotten dumber and have <laughs> forgotten how to, and they're not being taught. It was like you taught a generation to beat it. And then now this new generation hasn't learned it. Because there wasn't a need. Defense has got away from it, in the two thousand, especially in the 2010s. And now it's making a comeback because a lot of these new quarterbacks have never learned how to defeat it. You've noticed Dak has a problem with it. A lot of Tua has, is notorious for his problem with, with coverage going from one thing, snaps, looks back up. It's completely different. And he just not know what to do. So I think that that's come making a comeback. And Mike Zimmer was one of the big sim pressure disguise guys back then. So I think it'll, mm-hmm. I think it'll work out pretty well. To give a football analysis of it. Um, Super Bowl recap. I think we'll go to that. It was a hell of a game. It's yeah. hell, it was a hell, hell of a game. And I think I thought both quarterbacks played played really well. I don't I don't like the fact that Purdy's getting dragged through the mud, even though I felt he played pretty well. Was he perfect? Well, no, but he wasn't, you know, I, I thought he played well enough to win. They didn't. Hey, it happens. Uh, I I feel bad for them, and you know Shanahan is notorious now. This is three Super Bowls, three just yeah. that he has had a hand in losing big leads. It's really bad. It's a problem. It's an yeah. epidemic for him. So, ha 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 to the Niners. Although I was rooting for them, I I will fully admit as a I and people you're betraying the Cowboys. No, I'm not. I don't hate the Niners. The Niners kick my team's butt. I don't hate them. I don't like their fans too much. Their fans are kind of annoying to us. But their team, I have nothing against the team. No. Kittle's kind of a, you know, an a-hole. But a lot of football players are like that. He's, and then that's just because he's a troll. It's, you know, he's, he's a funny, yeah, he's a funny guy. He seems like a chill guy. Clearly a nice guy. Um, just, I still have the question they asked him, you know, what Hogwarts house right, is all I the saw that. I thought that yeah. was really cool. I, didn't, I don't hate the Niners. I hated the Aaron Rodgers Packers because I felt like in the playoff games, the refs bailed them out right. and things like that, and they kind of they weaseled their way to a win. The Niners just beat us. Like, we have no answer. Yeah. I'm frustrated by. I'm frustrated that we can't beat them. I'm more mad at my team rather than the Niners. I feel like that that's, you know, it's like how in the, in the old days parents would get mad at the kids for making bad grades, but now they get mad at the teacher. You know, quit quit getting mad at, 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 at the other guy. Get mad at the person that, you know, you can actually sit, you know do something about it. Right. get mad at your own team. Frustrating, frustrating for the Cowboys that you know we can't beat them. But hey, we'll see what we can do. But Niners losing Greenlaw hurt. Yeah, on that cell, and that's such an awful thing to such do. A, Tear yeah, your Achilles and without even doing anything. And people are you know all I don't say making fun of it, but that's why you shouldn't. Well, everyone celebrates. Do you know how many injuries happen to celebration? Very few. It's very few. The problem is that when it does happen, everyone remembers. Like the Lions, I think it was Stephen Tulloch who threw out his hip doing yeah. it. So Edwin Diaz in the mm-hmm. scrum at the WBC, Torres Patella. So I think that it just it becomes more publicized, but it's not that big of a problem. It happens. It, crap happens. Can't control it. I hate it for them, and they lost, they lost a big part of that defense that really would have helped mm-hmm. down the stretch there, but they played really well. And the reason I was rooting for them is, A, I didn't want to see the Chiefs become a dynasty because— I actually do like the Patriots. Um, again, Seth, that's his team, so they've kind of become my AFC team. If it's not them, it's either them or the Texans. I don't. I didn't. I didn't hate the dynasty. I don't hate. I don't understand hating greatness. If you hate the team already because you're a Dolphins fan or you're a Broncos fan, right? You hate the Chiefs. That's fine. 
the Eagles became a dynasty, I'd hate them too. I don't hate the Chiefs because they're a dynasty. I don't hate the Chiefs because they're a dynasty. I don't hate the Patriots because they were a dynasty. I hate the Chiefs because they're already acting like they were better than the Patriots. They're not. It's, it's no. No. You guys are great. It's a little bit of recency bias, but it's great. But the Chiefs, they are officially a dynasty. Congratulations. Going for that three-peat. They could get it. Yeah. Spagnola's back. They re- read the whole crew's coming back. And, you know, if they get Chris Jones. Chris couple, Jones said that he wants to come, he was at, coming back at the parade today. Add a couple players in the draft. You never know. I think he had another receiving option for, for Mahomes. The deadly team. But I want to know. I want to. I want. I want to know your thoughts on the Super Bowl. You know what? I, I don't really know who I was running for. <laughs> there was a, there was a part of me that really wanted the Chiefs to win because I like Mahomes as a player and as a right. person. And the fact that now, I mean, it's debatable. But I mean, in my opinion, I think that he has just made himself the second greatest quarterback of all time. And I was rooting for him. I mean, I I know argue Manning Montana. But okay, are we arguing talent or greatness? Well, talent. I have Mahomes at one. Well, talent. But Mahomes is probably one or two, depending on where you want to put Rodgers and Marino. I'm just talking about pure. Well, I guess you can't really compare stats yet because Mahomes is just so young still. Yeah. But like on the, we'll, we'll just say that as a pace, right? What he's expected to get, like at right. this pace. I think he's number two. I really do. I think he's see, and I. I, I really like, do. I don't think you can go. Well, this guy's projected to go here in his career, so that means he's here. I would say, in terms of greatness, it's Brady, Montana, Mahomes. Mahomes has got That's three. Fair. I, I'm I, I'm okay with that too. You know, Montana was four and zero, and the one thing I say about Montana was he revolutionized the game. I don't want to say Mahomes hasn't, but what Mahomes does is built off Andy Reid. What does Andy Reid do? He's a disciple of the West Coast. Who started the West Coast? Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. So they revolutionized offense that we're still using today. So I feel like you still got to put no, Montana that's, that's up there. That's very fair. But just now, me. Mahomes gets four. I'm willing to overlook the fact that he has lost one because I don't blame him for that loss. But, yeah, in terms of greatness. Yeah, he gets one more. Brady's got to watch out. He's got to, but I mean, if you want Brady, you have to get seven. You can't get six and go, well, you're better than Brady. No. You have to get seven. There is, there is, there is no. You have to get seven to even make a case that he's better. And even then, at seven, it depends on how many he's lost at that point. Yeah, because Brady did lose three, and so if Mahomes wins a bunch more and never loses one, well, then hey, we can we can have the conversation. But if he, they're at the end of his career, if they're both seven and three, it's hard to say. Well, yeah, Mahomes is better because in terms of greatness. We'll see how they win. Right. It'll be it, this will be fun to watch as sports fans. But but anyways, it was a great game. It was a great Super Bowl. And um, congrats to the Chiefs. Yeah, congrats to them. And uh, we'll see what happens now in the offseason. Yeah. Speaking of which, it's draft season officially, and we have our mock 1.0s. Now I want to make a, a point here that I did make a bunch of trades because I think there's going to be at least four or five trades this year, if not more, for quarterbacks. Did I lose my draft? I think I might have lost. Oh boy. I clicked out of it to look at like the NBA standings. I know, you're good. And I think I might have lost it. Well, then I'll list mine and see if you can remember your pick. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'll kick us off here while Chase is uh Chase is going. I'll start with the first three picks. So the first three picks all were traded. I had Washington move up with Chicago. They gave up a haul. Hold on, let's see if I can. It doesn't tell me what I gave up, but they gave up a haul. Um they got Caleb Williams. I think Kingsbury wants Caleb Williams. I think it's going to happen. Yeah. So uh, 
I'm standing by. I'm not. I'm only. I only did one trade. I just did the Bears with Washington. They. I flipped them because I'm not going in all that trade stuff right now. I'm just going off base of what the board looks like and what I think is going to happen yeah. if there's no trades. I did do the Bears trading down to number two. Washington getting number one. Washington going Caleb Williams as well. That's yeah. So then I had uh, the Falcons trading up to two with the Bears for Jaden Daniels. I think he's more pro ready than any of Williams or May, and I think that they're going to go. I think if they're going to go quarterback, they'd go Daniels. And because of that, the Raiders then trade up with the Patriots. I think the Patriots want Daniels over May. I think the Patriots get out of there. They get a haul of picks, and then they they don't draft a quarterback. But, I mean, we'll see what they do. This is definitely a rough draft. Yeah. This is more of like, let's just go crazy. Two, well, I, I plan on doing four. 2.0 will probably be a little bit less trades, I will say. It'll probably be a lot more just controlled. If I had kept everyone the same, I just want to say this, that there have been no trades— Bears take Caleb Williams, Commanders take Drake May, Patriots take Jane Daniels. I want to preface that. Mm-hmm. That's how I would have it. Um, so do you, do you have your picks? or I remember I just remember I had the Bears still at number two. I didn't do any trades. I had them going Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, number three with the Patriots. I had them going uh, Jaden Daniels. And then number four, Arizona, I had Malik Neighbors. Day four, I have uh, MHJ, best player in the draft. Him and Cut will be really a lot, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Chargers at five, take a tackle. I have Joe Alt kick him over to right. Him and Slater, your bookends. I was thinking about going Alt as well, and, I, and then I thought it to myself, the Chargers love offense, right? And what's that one position on offense where they kind of lack? Tight end. You went Bowers. And I went Bowers to the Chargers. Sure. Neighbors to the Giants at six. He falls a little bit there, but I think the Giants would like to grab another receiver. I had a Dunze, so I'm with you. Uh, Brock Bowers, the Titans. They seem to be really interested in him. They need a. They need a. They need. They, they need a chess piece on offense. I think I'd all go in there. They they need talent, and I think I think they took Skaronski last year to play guard. Mm-hmm. I think they'll take. I think they need a tight end. That's me. Yeah, I had, yeah. So the tight ends I had uh, Alt and I. I can't remember. So the Bears. That many. So the Bears are at eight and nine for me because they traded back with the Falcons. With eight, they take uh, Romo Dunze. My mic's cutting out. They take Romo Dunze, and then at nine, they take Jerzon Newton, the defensive tackle from Illinois. Basically, for defensive tackles, down to him or Byron Murphy from Texas uh, for one and 1A. One Newton right now I think is a little bit more highly thought of, so I I had him go Newton. Yeah. But yeah, you, you can continue. I don't remember exactly what picks. All right. Because I lost my drive. I lost my if, if, you, if you remember, just like raise your hands. That way I don't. Yeah, uh, no, keep going. Because I'm just going to keep going. Keep going. 10 Jets. They need offensive line. If if protecting Aaron Rodgers is not their number one priority, or not, they're not serious. I have Olu Fashanu. I have Fashanu too from from yeah. uh, Penn State. I do remember that. Vikings, I think corner could be something they want to address. So I have the the white guy Cooper DeGene from mm-hmm. Iowa. I, that'll be a fun storyline in the draft. Um, at twelve for the Broncos, Sean Payton gets his quarterback. I think it kind of shocks people. I think everyone's expecting Penix, and I think he goes McCarthy. That's just a personal thing. And again, I I want to preface this. I've done the big six quarterbacks. I have a first-round grade on Williams, May, Daniels, and Penix. Penix's grade is not fact is five percent injuries, just because like I get to factor it in mm-hmm. two ACLs. But I gave a first-round grade to Hendon Hooker, so clearly injuries don't factor in much for me. And they, I really I do it on the player. If I was factoring in injuries, Penix would probably be a third or fourth-round player for me. If you're right, I mean, it's like two ACLs, and it clearly does affect him on the field, in my opinion. Uh, but I got McCarthy at 12 to the Broncos, and I have a second on McCarthy and a third on Knicks. 
So that's just, but that's where I have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Patriots obviously are at 13 now, trading back. They get Talise Fauga. Fauga. I am going to butcher that. Tackle from Oregon State. I think at that point, you don't have your, in my draft, you don't have your quarterback. You need offensive line. I think it's where you go. Seahawks move up two spots, leap the Colts just to make sure they get their guy. Um, and I did this because I didn't think, I didn't have an idea for the Saints. And I thought this would be a decent idea for the Seahawks to trade up if this is how my, the draft goes. The draft Penix stays in Washington. Mm-hmm. And I think that he'd work really well with that team and you don't have to start him. I like that. Let, let his body heal for a little bit and let Gino be your guy. Colts at 15. Not a lot of holes. They were a good team that just had their quarterback get hurt. So I kind of just kind of went BPA. I went Nate Wiggins from Clemson in the corner. Same thing with the Saints. Good team, but I think that, you know, Pete's getting a little bit older. I think J.C. Latham from Alabama makes some sense. Their offensive line it gives you some flexibility as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, then going up to 17, Jags, Brian Thomas, 6'4 receiver. I think they just would like to get another weapon. Uh, you know, I like, I like Ridley. But after him, it's just kind of some decent players, but nothing that really special. I think Christian, Thomas, Kirk, Christian Kirk's a good player. Kirk's a good player, but I think Thomas gives you something. He, he, Kirk's a slot, and I think Brian Thomas is the next. Like He's next receiver. I think the Bengals go Graham Barton at 18. He, I'm going Barton because he can play tackle. He played in college. But he. a lot of teams think he's a guard. A lot of teams think he could be a center. He's something for the Cowboy fans just saying, watch Graham Barton from Duke. I think that Barton is a really good player. He's physical, and I think he'll fit that Bengals system, and he provides flexibility on that offensive line, which I think they could really need. At 19 with the Rams, they need they need an edge. I think they need someone that can set that edge perfectly and help wreak havoc along with Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. And at this point, if you notice, I had a lot of edges on my board. Law 2 from UCLA, Braylon Trice from Washington, Dallas Turner, but I went with Jared Verse. From Florida State. I just, I think he's a hell of a player. He reminds me a lot of Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah. Steelers, well, that, that, sorry, that, that was bad. I just screamed into the mic. Steelers, they need help everywhere. I don't think Bo Nix is going to get drafted by them. I think they'd rather go with the quarterback later in the draft, personally, but I, or a veteran. I could see that being what they do. So I think here, you go with someone to pair with Joey Porter Jr. And I think, and again, you have three options. And I mean, not counting in his rake straw from Missouri, but I think here, I thought Kool-Aid, I thought Taron Arnold, but I went with Kenyon Mitchell from Toledo, who is just a really good player. And the one knock on him is gonna, going to be, well, he played at, he played at Toledo, right? So not a big-time program, but he was a very he was the highest-graded corner per PFF this past season. 21, Dolphins, you know, Jalen Phillips, Terrence Achilles, I think they need an edge. Dallas Turner makes some sense. Mm-hmm. People having Turner in the top 10, I don't see it right now because I think he flashes the potential. Reminds me a little bit of Tyree Wilson from last year where he flashes that like, wow, this guy could be really great. But also like he's not in some aspects. He <laughs> he, he, over, he overruns plays. He gets cut out of position a little bit. I think that it, there's just some concerns. I think I don't think he's top 10. I think him playing at Bama helps his case for being top 10. I think, um, I think I had him. I think I had him going to Denver. That's fair. That's fair. Um, he would definitely fit that that system. Yeah. Uh, Eagles, being corner, being secondary help. I think Terry and Arnold, or I think you have your choice here of Bama corners. I think Terry and Arnold's their pick. I went Kool Aid McKinstry. I think it's That's an fair. Eagles pick. That's fair. Um, they seem to like the Bama players. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think the Texans want to protect Stroud. They don't have a ton of like glaring, like, wow, that's a huge problem. I also thought Byron Murphy. I thought someone on that interior. That's to, what that's what I went with. I thought someone I went Byron Murphy. Someone to pair with with uh oh my, I'm forgetting his name. I'm blanking. Will Anderson. Yeah. Someone to pair with Anderson, defensive rookie of the year, I think would have been really scary. But I I, I decided to go with uh Amarius Mims from Georgia. Get someone to protect Stroud. Cowboys, it's easy. Yeah, Jackson Powers Johnson to center. I think he's already better than Biotish from just from his college tape. Um watching some of Bo Nix's stuff and of course he, as I keep hitting this, I keep hitting the mic. You're thing. still, I'm you're sorry. still talking though in the mic. We can still have am it. I? Well, yeah. okay. oh, it's, it's right. It's, it's my headphones. I can't hear. Okay, so I it's, can, it's, you can still. Okay, we can still hear. Cool. It. Yeah. It was, it was bothering me. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, watching some of that Oregon tape, and you know, obviously the cutups are the offense. So you get a lot of the running plays, and a lot of the running plays, man. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a big running lane. Well, who's creating that? Oh, look, the center. So he was just a difference maker, man. And I think that you step he he steps in day one and he's your starter. I would love Jackson Powers Johnson. I would be crying on our draft broadcast if he fell to us. I don't think he falls. But he was off my board. I don't think he falls. But if he does, I'm just saying to everyone right now, and I kind of got made fun of for saying Tyler Linder Tyler Linderbaum Linden Lindenbaum. Linderbaum. I can't can't talk right now. I got made fun of by some of my family members for saying his name like 25 times when, when we were on the clock. Well, guess what, everybody? You're going to hear me say Powers Johnson, JPJ, probably about a thousand times from now until the last couple days in April. Mm-hmm. There, so, I, w- I had us going Brian Thomas Jr. That's fine. Yeah. You seem to want a receiver. I do. I think we're fine there and go that later in the draft, but that's me. Um, I mean, listen, if you can somehow get A.D. Mitchell in the second round. Chase, I'll, I'll be crying. I'm trying to do a broadcast for the for day two, so we'd be watching that. We'd be we'd both be jumping if he's for there, joy. Yeah. So a, a JPJ, AD Mitchell, first two picks, sign me up. Super Bowl. Sign it's me our up. year. This is our year. Sign me up. I am not saying that. If I <laughs> if I say this is our year, Chase smack me. Um, we'll do. Twenty five Packers Kool Aid. I think they need a corner help out that defense a little bit more. You know, especially if Jair seems to be kind of headed out. So I think corner could really be something they look for. Um, the Bucks kind of need help a little bit. They kind of your receivers are getting older. Your offensive line was kind of a problem. I think you need help in a few places. I think Edge makes some sense. So I think La Lyle Latu Latu uh Lyle Latu the guy from UCLA. <laughs> he's had to he had he had to medically retire and then got cleared back to play. So there's a lot of medical red flags. But he was a hell of a player mm-hmm. at UCLA this past year. And then at 27 for the Cardinals. Um, I got Braylon Trice. This is obviously the pick they got last year when the Texans traded up. Um, I think, you know, Jonathan Gannon will want to add something to the defense after adding MHJ. I think Trice is a good value pick. I think the Bills want to add an athletic receiver next to Diggs. You know, um, Gabe Davis is great, but he got injured, and that really that really hurt them. Not having another good receiver, so I think Troy Franklin from Oregon makes some sense here. Uh Lions, I think corner's the one thing that they would like to address, probably, in my opinion. So I got Ennis Rakestraw. Missouri's got I think two, I had Rakestraw going there, too. Two good corners, um, Drain and Rakestraw. And then, obviously, they have somebody. They have another edge rusher, Darius Robinson. They got three, um, I think, possible first-round, top-of-the-second-round uh, defensive players. Then I had a little more intrigue. As we're all falling asleep on draft night and it's getting kind of a lull, the Steelers trade back up with the Ravens. Because and this the reason they do this is the fifth year option, they draft Bonix, so it's fun. 
And I said that I thought Pittsburgh would get a quarterback later. I lied. <laughs> They're at 30. I think they trade back up to get that kind of like Lamar. They trade back up with Baltimore, division rival, and they take Bonex. Is he worth this pick? Hell no. He is worth about a pick in the late 60s, mid-70s. <laughs> and if you ask Seth, who's going to be on the broadcast, he's not worth a fourth or fifth. He's, he does not like Bonex. <laughs> Nick's flashes, one year of premium production, in my opinion. Before that, he was kind of really up and down. But we'll see. I think a team tries to trade back up to get him, but we'll see. To me, if Levis is not drafted in the first round, there's no way Bo Nix is. Yeah. But we'll see how the— be, But look how Levis turned out, so who it, knows? It if, matters about how the teams evaluate him. Sorry, what were you going to say? I interrupted you. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, Levis turned out to be maybe one of the you know one of the best in the class. No, and I had him 15, 16 on my board, so I, I thought he was a first-round player regardless. Um, but quarterbacks are always overvalued. Uh, 31, Niners, I think O-line makes a little bit of sense. I, I got Jordan, well. Jordan Morgan, Arizona. I, I mean, when you're in the Super Bowl, you don't have many many holes. Chiefs do, though. Receiver. Mm-hmm. Keon Coleman from Florida State falls to 32. I think he's a hell of a player. I, he's probably going to be somewhere between 11 and 20 on my board. So I don't like the fact that other people are undervaluing him, but we'll see. So that's mock number one. Mock number two will probably be post-combine. Probably somewhere in there that is yeah. at the end of this month. Um, the fourth one will be Wednesday night before the draft. There's a reason why I like Wednesday being our night we do this, because it's the night before the draft. It, it works out really well, especially in terms of football. So that's the plan right now is 4.0 is there, 2.0 is after the combine. 3.0 will probably be like March 30th, somewhere in the middle. April 1st, somewhere right in there. Um, so was the draft? April? April like 25th, yeah, 6th, late April. 7th. It's always the last Thursday, Friday, Saturday in April. Yeah. Um, Hey, the A is signed Stephen Piscotti to minor league deal. He's back. That's cool. Good for him. Anyway, <laughs> thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, obviously, draft coverage kicks off. I'll be trying to sneak in some more draft stuff as I get more to my evaluations. Again, if you go to my Twitter, it has a link to my big board. It's the pinned tweet. has a link to my all my draft guides. Um, it has a link to the big board, which, again, on a preface right now, looks really screwed up because of the fact that... Um, I had to sort by position. I mean, sorry, sorry, sort sort by college to cut a lot of players that were not supposed to be there. So I have a key, what what different grades mean, the color code, right? So, so far, I've done Marvin Harrison Jr., Daniels, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Neighbors, Odunze, Penix, McCarthy, Knicks. Um, everyone except McCarthy and Knicks have first-round grades. So, I mean, obviously I know Marvin Harrison is going to be a first-round grade, but, you know, Wanted to watch the film before I made my final evaluation. No way, there. really? Yeah, and then and everybody else obviously <laughs> has the draft guides, which has all my scouting reports, and then a cut list, which is the names of players that were cut from the draft board. Uh, all, all the guys, the first several pages were cut because they weren't part of the draft. I had to get it from a kind of almost like a sketchy website, but a sketchy website. <laughs> so then everyone else, right now we're about about five eighty players, cutting it down to about four hundred. Goal. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we will talk to you guys next week. See you later.